Well, good morning. I hope you're doing okay. It's a Sunday morning. I hope you're going to find a place of worship today. I wanted to take just a moment this morning and read a little bit. And this is out of actually um, one of the prophets. It's Amos. Very interesting prophet. It's only about nine chapters. I'm going to read a a little bit this morning out of the first part of Amos. Amos is a very interesting book. Unfortunately, we shy away from these kinds of books because they talk a lot about God's judgment, which we're afraid of. And we shouldn't be because God is a God of justice. He's a righteous God. And when he judges or corrects things, it's to make them right because he's righteous. And we should celebrate that. That should make us very happy that there's a right and there's a wrong and that we serve a righteous God. We should be happy about that. And it's part of his character. Now this is Amos chapter 1. The words of Amos, who among the shepherds of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the day, days of Uzziah, king of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. And he said, The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds mourn, and the top of Carmel withers. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they have threshed Gilead with threshing sledges of iron. So I will send a fire upon the house of Azel, and it shall devour the strongholds of Ben-Hadad. And I will break the gate bar of Damascus and cut off the inhabitants from the valley of Aven. And he who holds the scepter from Beth Eden. And the people of Syria shall go into exile to Ker, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, for three transgression of Gaza and for four I will not revoke the punishment. Because they carried into exile a whole people to deliver them up to Edom. So I will send a fire upon the wall of Gaza, and it shall devour her strongholds. And I will cut off the inhabitants from Ashdod, and him who holds the scepter from Ashkelon. I will turn my hand against Ekron, and the remnants of the Philistines shall perish, says the Lord God. And he's not done. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Tyre and for four, I will not revoke the punishment, because they delivered up a whole people to Edom and did not remember the covenant of brotherhood. So I will send a fire upon the wall of Tyre, and it shall shall devour her strongholds. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Edom and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because he pursued his brother with the sword and cast off all pity and his anger tore perpetually and he kept his wrath forever. So I will send a fire upon Taman and it shall devour the strongholds of Basra. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of the Ammonites and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they have ripped open pregnant women in Gilead that they might enlarge their border. So I will kindle a a fire in the wall of Rabbah, and it shall devour her strongholds with shouting on the day of battle, with the tempest in the day of war of the whirlwind, and their king shall go into exile, he and his princes together, says the Lord. 
chapter 2. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Moab and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because he burned to lime the bones of the king of Edom. So I will send a fire upon Moab and it shall devour the strongholds of Kerioth. And Moab shall die amid uproar, amid shouting and the sound of the trumpet. I will cut off the ruler from its midst and will kill all its princes with him, says the Lord. Now pay attention. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they have rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes. But their lies have led them astray those after which their fathers walked. So I will send a fire upon Judah and shall devour the strongholds of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, those who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and turn aside the way of the afflicted. A man and his father go into the same girl so that my holy name is profaned. They lay themselves down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. In the house of their God, they drink the wine of those who have been fined. Yet it was I who destroyed the Amorite before them whose height was like the height of the cedars, and who is as strong as the oaks. I destroyed his fruit above and his roots beneath. Also, I, it was I who brought you up from the land of Egypt and led you 40 years in the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. And I raised up, catch this now, and I raised up some of your sons for prophets and some of your young men for Nazarites. Is it not indeed so, O people of Israel, declares the Lord? But you made the Nazarites drink wine, and you commanded the prophets, saying, You shall not prophesy. And I'm going to stop there, and I know that is some rough language, but that is the Bible. That is the prophet of Amos in the very beginning of the book, chapter 1 and part of chapter 2. He starts out proclaiming judgment, and he gives some of the reasons why God is judging those nations. Other nations, right? Now, he's speaking to God's people. But then in chapter 2, he shifts, and he talks about Judah and Israel. See, it's real easy to listen to bad things happening to other people when God's instructing other people, hey, you're doing all this stuff wrong and because of this, there's some stuff that's going to happen. There's some consequences. But then it shifts to God's people. Oh, no. Oh, absolutely. God's not saying that. And see, this is the problem. The Bible is very balanced. God's word is very balanced. Absolutely. God is holy, righteous, and just, and he is love. He brings his justice because he is love. It's all one. God's one. He is not divided. We as people often are, but God is not divided. At the very end of what I read, and there's a lot in there, a lot in there. I raised up some of your sons for prophets and some of your young men for Nazarites. 
in the next verse, but you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets saying, you shall not prophesy. And I'm going to say something that's not very easy to hear. These verses still apply to us today. And they're still true today. And that's not a popular thing to say. What, here's, let me explain what I mean. There are many, many good people God has called. Many, many good people God has called. Many. But what happens is the enemy comes along, manifesting through people. Say, so, oh, you don't need to do that. God didn't really tell you to do that. You don't need to do that. Go over here and do this. It's a manifestation of the demonic, of the enemy coming through words. Those that have been given words to speak for God, prophets, you could call them something else. It doesn't matter. You shall not prophesy. You shall not teach. You shall not preach. You shall not speak. When God has called them to do the very thing you're in this verse, it says commanded. You're commanding them, telling them not to do. Now, if you look in chapter 7 of Amos, he says himself, I'm not a prophet, nor a prophet's son. Which back in that time, I mean, I guess that's how it worked. It's part of your heritage. What family you're born in. He says, I'm not a prophet, nor a prophet's son. But what did God do? God called him to speak a very hard word to people who are way <laughs> way away from God. False worship. Their hearts were not right. And he was prophesying a warning. He was warning them. Because 50 years later, something was coming. Listen to me very carefully. Today in this nation, there is we have crisis after crisis after crisis. Now, make no mistake, God is on his throne. But some of the problems that manifest and some of the problems we see is because of failure of leadership. The very thing it talks about right here. We've taken really good people, people God has called, and we said, no, you can't do that. Oh, no, you're not good enough. People God has called. Oh, wait, no, you're not supposed to say anything. You're not supposed to write anything. You're not supposed to teach. You're not supposed to, or whatever it is. You're not supposed to pray. You're not supposed to do these things. What are you doing? Who gave you that authority? You can't do that. Let me tell you something. God is who calls people, period. Now, those calls should be confirmed by the church and by other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you don't want a bunch of self-proclaimed people going around. But I'm telling you, this has been going on in this nation for a long time. A stranglehold of religion. And it's a manifestation of the enemy. It's a stronghold. Where we squeeze certain voices out. Because we don't want to hear what they have to say. And let me tell you something. You start doing that to a person of God, someone who's called to do very specific things. Everyone's not called to be a preacher. Oh my goodness. So we have to ask ourselves, each of us individually, what have, has God called me to do? We each individually are accountable to God. We're not accountable for what other people do. 
And I'm telling you, this kind of stuff is talking about, this has been going on a long, long time. It's because of religion and because of the strongholds of the enemy. But listen, God is in charge. God is in control. God can take a really bad situation and bring something good out of it. But I'm telling you right now, if God's called someone to do something, don't get in their way. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. That doesn't mean you give them they're not supposed to, things they're not supposed to have. I'm simply saying I wouldn't get in their way. I wouldn't do that. If God has asked them to say something, just let them say something. It needs to be in the right timing, in the right context. But I'm telling you, for years, there's been a stranglehold on the voice of God through people because of religion. Commanding people, telling them, you can't do that. That is a work of the enemy manifesting through people. And so a lot of people haven't turned to God because they didn't hear those voices. Those people didn't come. Now God works all those things out and he is in charge and he is in control and he will even allow that to happen. But that doesn't take away the sin. The sin of suppressing certain people and certain voices. That's a sin. God's called them. He's called them. Now listen, I'm not a big proponent. I never have been nor I ever will be. I'm not a big proponent of speaking to big, large crowds and thousands of, of people. There are people called to do that. And here's why. Here's why. I think it's problematic. I think that it's fine and God has called some people to do that, but I think it's problematic as far as cultivating the many gifts in the body of Christ. It, it's a problematic because what happens, honestly, you create a culture where only certain people are given a voice and other people who God actually has put stuff in their heart, in their voice aren't ever allowed to say anything because we're suppressing we're suppressing what God has ordained it's very very dangerous and there are consequences for doing that but in the end God is in control right he works it out but listen to me our nation for many many years has been experiencing God's correction and there's people which oh no that's not true give me a break give me a break and one of the reasons is failure of leadership. Now, nobody wants anyone saying that. Tough! It's the truth. Now, it's not the only reason, but it's definitely one of the reasons. And to deny that is to deny the truth. Suppressing voices. Suppressing people that God sent. That's a sin. But mark it, friend. There is still hope. God is still on the throne and he will still work it out. He'll correct and consequences may come, but he'll work it out in the end. And trust me, when God sends people to warn and we don't listen, there's consequences. There's consequences. I pray that you take time today and every day to go before God and ask Him about you, your personal life. What are you supposed to do? What has God called you to do? 
At the beginning of this year, I had to refocus myself, some things God had talked to me about a long time ago, and I had done them. I had done them, but I've got I had gotten away from it. I wasn't doing it as often and as much because of the busyness of life and the worries of life, which happens to all of us. And I had to refocus myself. Sometimes what God's asking isn't easy, but you still need to do it. You still need to obey and do what he said. So you need to ask yourself, what would happen if every Christian in the nation would go before God and say, God, what have you told me to do? And you get about doing what he has asked you to do. What would happen? Everything would shift and change. God is still on his throne. No matter what people have done to you, no matter if they've suppressed you or not, no matter if they've commanded you not to say anything or not, no matter if they've been underhanded how they've dealt with you or not, God is still on the throne and he can restore anything. But as Christians, we have got to do what God has asked us to do. What has God told you to do? And are you doing it? If we want the culture to be different, if we want the world to change, if we want our nation, our city, our surroundings, our environment to change, we have got to obey and do what God has told us to do. Period. And in the end, it won't matter. It won't matter if people have done things to you. God will restore everything in his own timing, and in his own way. So I pray. Remember Amos. Yeah, it's a hard book to read, and we don't like reading that stuff, but it's the Bible, and it's very instructive. It's very instructive. And many want to jump to the end of the book because there's some great, great stuff at the end of the book. It's fantastic. But we need to read the whole book, just like we need to read the whole Bible. Because when we don't do that, we become very out of balance. Very out of balance. It's my prayer that every Christian, every Christian would go before God and say, what am I supposed to be doing for you? The nation can change. But God has chosen to use people to bring change. If you know Jesus, he's on the inside of you. God's waiting for you to do what he's already told you to do. You don't ever know what's around the next corner what God's going to do. Sometimes it's to warn. Sometimes it's to encourage. Sometimes it's to bless. Sometimes it's to pray. What has God told you to do? Get off your backside and do it. I pray blessing, hope, and healing over you today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Have a great and wonderful day. Bye-bye.